dedicate your children to the Lord. Now, again, we have to separate ourselves from this little kid's age and where he's going. But the main goal was for him to serve the Lord. The main goal is for him to serve the Lord. The main goal for you and I as parents is for our children to serve the Lord. And not to be a great banker or oil man or musician. None of that matters. Most parents love to bless their kids. They may work hard to make money that allows for great experiences or possessions that they think will make life better, or they invest their time and energy into their relationship with their children. Whether a parent is financially capable or not, they do their best to fulfill the desires of their kids' hearts. As Pastor Mark reminds us in today's message, there's nothing wrong with giving our kids good things, but we need to make sure that our top priority is teaching them the truth about their Creator. All the material blessings in the world mean nothing if they don't have Jesus. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and join Pastor Mark with part two of today's message, Giving God Back His Gift. Abraham Lincoln said for parents to train up a child in the way he should go, he must walk that way himself. That's an awesome saying. If you're going to train up your children in the way they should go, don't depend on the Christian school that they go to. Don't depend on our children's ministry. That's up to you. That's up to you to train them up. And maybe you're old enough and maybe you're like, well, my parents aren't really doing it. Then you get on to it. You get busy and train yourself up. My parents weren't Christians. My mom came to the Lord after I got saved. And so I had a lot of catching up to do. And I still do. So you will never get a full handle on this. And so it's a great thing to train up your children. Work hard at that. That should be the first and foremost. Look at verse 20. Says, so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. His name means God heard. God heard. Verse 21. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, in these days, it was typical that if you had a boy, you would stay home about seven days with him. And if it was a girl, you would stay home for 14 days. Now, I have no idea why. I just thought that was interesting, thought I'd throw it in there. But then 33 days later, an offering would be made for your child. But here we have the child weaned first, so it would be different. You would, wean your, you would make your offering 33 days after the birth of the child. But here we have Hannah doing it a little different. She weans her child first. And so between three and five years old is when a kid would be weaned in, in, this, in this culture. Between three and five years old is when a kid would be weaned. 
And, and when you think about it, it's a really great concept, the word weaning, and, and it means like nurturing them, not just feeding them, and, 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 but it means it's a nurturing of them. And so if you have young children, please nurture them. If you have small kids, nurture those kids. It's important for you to nurture them, and that means to spend concentrated time with them. We, we've seen what happens with the idea that, well, it's not about the quantity of time. It's about the quality of time, and I disagree wholeheartedly with that wholeheartedly. It's about how much time you spend with them because it, it's quality to a kid. It doesn't, it does, it's not a little bit of time. It's, it's quality time. And the more you get to spend with your children, the better off they'll be. You have a small window of opportunity. And, and here's why. Because there's a period of that child's life where you, mom and dad, are everything to that kid, those kids. You are everything. And they're going to let you in that world for only a limited time. Then there's a time where it's all about their peers. If you guys have teenagers, you know uh, uh, your, your son or your daughter's best friend, she or he could be the dumbest person in the world and tell your kid to do something. He's going to take it as gospel truth. We got some teenagers over there giggling that are best friends and going, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's true. I was that kid. My best friend and I influenced each other to do some of the stupidest things. Walking on railroad tracks over a tall lake on a, bri- a railroad bridge when a train's coming. And his foot got caught. Some of you guys met my buddy Randy. And so thinking I was going to save his life, I ran up and pushed him. Heard his leg break. Luckily, I did push him. And we both flew over and landed in some water. And I thought I broke my neck when I hit the water. It was so high up. But we influenced each other. Uh, his dad told us not to walk on that bridge. I was like, what's your dad know? He's never walked on a bridge like that before. You and I, we'll get the experience. We'll live to tell about it. We never made it across. Randy got a broken leg, and I wished my leg would have been broken after the beating I'd gotten. But it is. You only have a, a, a limited shelf life with your children. Their peers will become more important. They will begin to listen to their best friends more than you, mom and dad. And even though you know more than their friends, for some weird reason, they still listen. Uh, some of you are like, well, yeah, I'll take a belt to that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter a whole lot. He, they'll change for that moment, but those friends are still there. And you have a limited shelf life to be everything to that kid and train them in the way that they should go, but you've got to be walking in that way as well. So that changes real quickly because of the peers and their view of the peers, and they'll have, those peers begin to have a greater influence and more, point, a more important voice than yours. Nurturing means a concentrated time with spiritual training. When we see this word weaned in, in the Hebrews, what it means is it's a nurturing with some spiritual training involved. And so a mom would spend time with her child, her baby, holding it, nursing that baby, spending that time there. And that job belongs to every mother and father. It's easier to build a kid than to repair an adult. I can't tell you how many adults come and they got all kinds of things wrong with their life. And it's like, wow, man, just think, if your mom and dad would have just done these things, you would have had this and that. We wouldn't have had to put a patch on that area of your life. See, guys, you and I, when you look at this verse here, it says, uh, verse 23, something for us as men and husbands. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Here, he said, do what seems best to you, dear. How many of you guys wish you'd learned that early on? Jumping in there and be like, hey, well, let me tell you how to fix that, babe. 
just one of those things I tell Jess, hey, whatever you think's right. The other day she was like, hey, what do you think about this? And I was like, um, I don't know. Can we talk about it tomorrow or later? And then it was just one of those things where I'm like, you know, just do whatever seems best. She did. Whatever seems best. Whatever seems best. That's a good thing for us. It's a good answer. Learn that one. Your wife has a question, needs it, has a major concern, whatever, you, whatever seems best. You're still responsible for that decision, guys, but whatever seems best. That way it's not all on you all the time. You're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I made that decision by letting you have it. We learn from it. We move on. Love you. Let's go. Verse 24. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. The, the year arrives, and so does Hannah. The year arrives, and so does Hannah and her promise. Both her and Elkanah are bringing the necessary sacrifices so they could worship the Lord. So she, this wasn't just something that was on Hannah's own. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't think that Elkanah didn't have a say in this. Elkanah had to agree to this, and we can see that he did because he goes with her. He supports his wife in, in the sacrificing of their child or the giving dedication of their child to the Lord. And so they're also giving a true living sacrifice to the Lord. They're not only taking the bulls and then the ephah flour and the wine, but they're also giving a living sacrifice to the Lord, their son Samuel. You may think, man, this is horrible. Who could give away a little baby? But if you just separate yourself from the kid's age for a second, what was their goal? You know, don't worry so much about how old this baby is and what's happening here. And some of you might be like, well, I know who Eli is. He's not that great. His sons are running amok. They're drinking in the tabernacle. They've got prostitutes in there. It's probably not the best place for you to raise a kid. But we separate ourselves from all that. The main goal was for him to serve the Lord. That's the main goal for Hannah and and, and Elkanah. Um, I got an email this week my wife forwarded to me. I'm going to read it to you guys real quick. And it's the same type of thing. um, It's about a lady named Pam. I'm going to read this to you. It says, Pam's story. In a recent email, I read about a woman named Pam who knows the pain of considering abortion. More than 24 years ago, she and her husband, Bob, were serving as missionaries in the Philippines and praying for a fifth child. Pam contracted amoebic dysentery, an infection of the intestines caused by a parasite found in contaminated food and drink. She went into a coma and was treated with strong antibiotics before she, they discovered that she was pregnant. Doctors urged her to abort the baby for her own safety and told her that the medicines had caused irreversible damage to her baby. She refused the abortion and cited her Christian faith as the reason for her hope that her son would be born without the devastating disabilities physicians predicted. Pam said that the doctors didn't think of it as a life. They thought of it as a mass of fetal tissue. While pregnant, Pam nearly lost their baby four times but refused to consider abortion. She recalled making a pledge to God with her husband. If you will give us a son, we'll name him Timothy and we'll make him a preacher. Pam ultimately had spent the last two months of her pregnancy in bed and eventually gave birth to a healthy baby boy August 14, 1987. Pam's youngest son is indeed a preacher. He preaches in prisons, he makes hospital visits, and he serves with his father's ministry in the Philippines. That's a great story, but let's go further. He also plays football. Pam's son is Tim Tebow, the University of Florida's star quarterback. 
He became the first sophomore in history to win college football's highest award, the Heisman Trophy. His current role as quarterback of the Denver Broncos has provided an incredible platform for Christian witness as a result. He is being called the Mile High Messiah. Tim's notoriety and family's inspiring story have given Pam numerous opportunities to speak. So when you think about it, here's a baby that was dedicated to the Lord completely 100% because of a mom's faith in God. How many of you are willing to dedicate your children to the Lord? Now, again, we have to separate ourselves from this little kid's age and where he's going. But the main goal was for him to serve the Lord. The main goal is for him to serve the Lord. The main goal for you and I as parents is for our children to serve the Lord. And not to be a great banker or oil man or musician, none of that matters. Now, to go back to when I asked my guys this morning, what was the most pressing issue, the most important thing in my week? And, and somebody, you know, where there's a family we're helping that, that needs a place to stay. And they said, well, why wasn't that it? Because they're saved. Those people are Christians. They have the Lord. That's why. All the other stuff, the spiritual blessings that the Bible talks about that we already have, every spiritual blessing as a Christian, we already have that stuff. Oh, we are so concerned about how much money we're going to make, and if we're going to make ends meet, we lose focus of the real thing, the main thing, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and those who don't know him, all that other stuff is just stuff that falls off. It's all going to burn, as I was talking to somebody this morning. This building one day will burn. You can see that it's beginning to rust, burn and rust. Nothing lasts forever. You and I don't. Neither does the earth. First and second laws of thermodynamics. Everything that's set in motion has a beginning and has an end. It's got to wind down. So we're to serve the Lord. See, he will be loving God and bringing revival to a nation. Loving God and bringing revival to a nation. Back then at age 13, a son or a daughter was considered to be an adult in the Jewish community. So when you really think about it, he only really served the Lord. You could say, well, you know, couldn't you wait until he was 13? And when he's 18, he's out on his own. Well, that's five years. And at three and five, so, you know, he's just got about 10 years to hang out there. And obviously his mom would come and visit because we do read that she brings him stuff. But we don't read that she goes weekly, but she may have. She might have gone a couple of times a month. But so his responsibility was laying on his shoulders at an early age. His mom and dad dedicated him to the Lord, and the people around them treated them, those 13-year-old kids, boys and girls, as adults. The kids grew up back then very young and a lot faster, and Samuel grew up dedicated to a life of service for the Lord. What about you? Are you dedicated to a life of service for the Lord? You can say, well, you know, Mark, you're a pastor. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. That's your calling. Oh, no, I'm like you. I'm a Christian first. Are you dedicated to a life of service to the Lord? How do you serve the Lord in your own home? How do you serve the Lord in your own neighborhood, in your own community? How do you serve the Lord at work, in the workplace? How do you serve the Lord to your wife? Are you being that example to the people that live around you? Our marriages and our families are supposed to be many churches as Christians inside the neighborhoods that we live in. And so, again, are we dedicated to a service of life to the Lord? Are we giving our life over to the Lord for service? Or are we asking him, well, you know what? I, this is what I need from you, like a grocery list. Look at verse 25. And then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, 
My Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord for this child. I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. I wonder if there was concern with, you know, again, leaving him with Levi. But, you know, the way I look at it, I think there probably wasn't a whole lot because Hannah trusted in God. Hannah trusted in God for, for everything. And so she knew that only the Lord could provide for her son and for them and for them as a family. So do you trust in the Lord to protect your children? You know, do you think about it. When you send them away to school, when you send them out to play with their friends, do we trust in the Lord? And so knowing how this kid grows up, I don't think there was a huge concern, but I'm sure that they had more faith in the Lord than they had in Eli. I, I, they, they knew that the Lord would preserve him from the pollution of Eli's son's lives, and they'd obviously be around this little boy. And so sometimes, you know, we worry about who our children hang out with because, oh, you know, they could be peer pressure. It could lead them in the wrong direction. But you know what? Maybe your children need to be hanging out with those kids to lead them to the Lord. Are your kids the peer pressure? Or what are we raising? Are we raising cowards? Or are we raising kids that go out there and say, hey, you know what? Though I may be a little intimidated by this kid, I want to be the intimidator. I want to show them that it's the Lord. And that's our prayer for my son Asa and for my daughter Elia is that every day that any kid that they bump into, that they're telling them about Jesus, that they're talking about Jesus. When those kids are at the house, that they're talking about, and I've heard my son do it a couple of times with with some older kids in the neighborhood. And he's asked them, where do you go to church? And they're like, oh, well, sometimes we get to go. He goes, why don't you go every Sunday? You can go with us. We'll give you a ride. Right, Dad? And I'm like, sure, show up. Are Are they being influenced by other kids or are they being influenced Are they the influencer? So do we trust in the Lord to protect our children? Samuel's destined to be Israel's prophet who guides God's people through a critical epic, and he's going to be God's specially chosen instrument for a major task in redemptive history. And we could say that the direction and the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of the homes and the parents that live in them. Think about our own nation. Think about where we have gone, where we've gotten a little compromised in certain areas of certain things and where we're at now as a nation. Well, what are we allowing in? We've become very liberal. I was talking to a friend that was my translator in Africa, and um, he was telling me, he goes, man, I can't believe the downfall and slide of America in the last 15 years. And he's looking at it from the other side of the ocean. Now, this is a guy that we went to be missionaries to, and he was like, man, and he was kind of joking around, but I told him, I said, send him. He goes, we're going to send missionaries to your city, Katy. I go, we need them. We may need them even in this church because, I mean, if there's any kind of carnal Christianity, it's like that needs to be put aside. That's where, it gets, that's where the problem lies. See, Eli, the priest Eli, he had a very religious home. He had a religious home that was godless. As a Christian, do you have a religious home? Is there a Bible in it? Do you talk about good things and about the good things of God, but is it godless? Are there things that go on in there that God would say, hey, whoa, that's not cool? I think about this. If God showed up at your house, if Jesus knocked on the door and said, can I come in, how many of us would be like, what, uh, in, in a minute, I just kind of want to straighten up a little bit before you walk in, start hiding things. How many of us would do that? Be like, Come on in. You just walk in. I have nothing to hide. I, there's stuff in here that I know is not perfect. 
You know, anybody that has kids know you can clean the house and it gets messy again. You can clean the house. So you tend to invite people over that have kids because they kind of look at the mess and they're like, that's cool. Don't worry about it. It's all right. People who don't have kids and who are neat freaks are just like, don't let those children touch anything in my house. We took our kids to a place that was like that. A lady was very concerned that my son Asa was going to touch something. I was like, Asa, get over here. And I so badly wanted him to touch stuff just so I could see her reaction, but I wanted to be polite. You know, do we have these religious homes that are godless? Or do we have a home like Hannah and Elkanah, a godly home that had a relationship where they gave young Samuel their best? They gave young Samuel their very, very best. They gave Samuel their God. Are you giving your children your God? And is that your best? The one true mighty God? Or are you giving, passing your children down to an idol? You handing them an idol. Are they seeing you worship money, worship prosperity, worship big houses, nice cars. What do they worship? What do you worship? See, they gave Samuel their very best, the most high God, the Lord of hosts, and then they gave God back his precious gift, their son Samuel. A mom and dad who had, it seems, the means and and a lot of stuff, but they gave back Samuel back to God. Look at verse 1 in chapter 2. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. After Hannah left her son with Eli, she could have walked off, had a good cry, but instead of sadness, there was a song. Instead of sadness and a heavy heart, there was a song, a song of praise, knowing that her son is with the Lord. And so, Here is where, you know, when you think about this song of praise to the Lord and you read this song and we break it down a little bit, you're like, whoa, man, this is amazing. This woman is amazing. I want this type of heart to worship the Lord when those things happen. See, the unbeliever or the believer with little faith does not understand the relationship between a sacrifice and a song and how the people of God can sing their way into sacrifice and sacrifice their way into singing. A lot of unbelievers don't get it. They're just all like, what? I mean, what is this nonsense going on? Well, here's the deal. When in those days when you went, like they were at the temple and they did the burnt offering, when they did that burnt offering, there was a song that was given over to the Lord. A, A song to the Lord began also as that burnt offering was put upon the altar. And Jesus, before he went into the garden where he would be arrested, Jesus did what with his disciples? It says they sang. They sang before the sacrifice of himself. Paul and Silas sang after they had been beaten and humiliated. And and that's hard to do. I mean, when you think about it, to me, that's like, I think it might be easier to sing before. But they they sang after they'd been beaten and humiliated. And frequently in the Psalms, you see David singing praises to God in the midst of a difficult situation. The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. 
you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School, located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.